Well, last time we checked in with Shane Woodford, freelance journalist based in Denmark, it was because most, if not all, of the COVID-19 restrictions there were being lifted. And we wanted to get a feel for how people were reacting to that and what exactly was going to be taking place. Well, we figured it would be a good idea to check back in with Shane and find out how things are going, given what's happening in BC as well. And Shane is back on the line with us now. Thanks so much for doing this. No problem, Joe. Good to hear your voice. Uh, so how are things going there? Well, uh, in some ways, not so good. <laughs> in other ways, uh, okay. So um, the reason, that, as we discussed last time, that they decided to take down all of the restrictions was because while we were seeing unbelievably high infection numbers and hospitalization numbers, the intensive care unit numbers and the numbers of those on a ventilator, uh, we're steadily trending down, and that trend has continued. So good news on one side. The ICU numbers have stayed relatively flat, if not declining. Same with ventilator numbers. Uh, we haven't seen them this low since almost last summer. The bad news, Jill, is that we're still seeing incredibly high infection rates. They're not record highs, but they're still hovering in and around the forty to 45,000 a day mark, which for Denmark is unbelievably high. Uh, and today we had COVID hospitalizations hit another record high, which they have done more or less almost every weekday now for the last week and a half or so. So we got 1,604 people in hospital. Now, again, these days are shorter. They're not going into the intensive care ward. But again, a major, major stressor on hospitals uh, that are already short-staffed due to the, just the rampant amount of infections that Omicron has given us here in Denmark. And remind us, Shane, are there any restrictions in place still in Denmark? No, they're all gone. Um, the only thing is for international stuff. So if you're flying out an international airline or something, uh, then you require a mask on, on certain international flights. The mask mandate has actually just been taken down by Nordic Airlines. So if you're flying from Denmark to Sweden or Denmark to Finland or within the Nordic countries, you no longer have to mask up on a plane either. But for international flights, you do. And how are people reacting? Or, or did you notice when, when that came into place? So were there still people who were choosing to wear a mask or, or do some of, follow some of the guidelines? Or was it kind of like flipping a switch? Yeah, no, it was interesting on that front, Jill, because if you remember, we've gone back to this normal thing before, right? Back on September 10th, we removed all restrictions, uh, which proved to be a fairly unwise course of action. And in that case, uh, as in previous cases, it was like flipping a switch, right? Like people... For some reason, the Scandinavian countries, Denmark uh, very much so, they just have a disdain for mask use. We were really, really late to that game in, in it saying, okay, you have to mask up. We did it like at the very last second uh, when it was really a bad situation, and then we got rid of them as fast as possible. So in September 10th, when they said, okay, we're done, all restrictions gone, we're returning to normal life, masks literally disappeared overnight. Like nobody was wearing a mask. And in fact, stories were going on in the Danish media and first aid organizations where they were just sending like millions of masks were going to third world countries and that kind of thing, developing nations. Uh, so they couldn't get rid of them fast enough. And the interesting thing about this time is that because the infections are just so insanely high, I mean, not a day goes by you don't hear about somebody who is infected who's having to isolate or a kid in your son's school, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just every day. Uh, and now, even though we don't have to mask up, I'm seeing not a huge number, but I'm seeing a pretty regular number of people who are still masking up in grocery stores and shops and that kind of thing. They generally tend to be older, sometimes a few younger people. So I feel like the threat of infection and the pandemic uh, threat overall here in Denmark is still so intense 
that there is a segment of the population that either feels they need to protect themselves or are vulnerable seniors, people with uh, underlying health conditions where they've, you know, this time instead of ditching the mask, they're like, you know what, until those things over, I'm going to keep masking up, which is, I think, is a good, responsible thing to do. And on top of that, I have run into some businesses uh, that have asked me to put a mask on going inside. Not very many, but there have been a couple. All right. Uh, wanted to, to circle back to that the numbers you were talking about as well, the hospitalization numbers. And I know yeah. uh, there's been a debate here on the specific wording, and we did get some clarification mm. in that there are people in hospital who are in hospital for something else completely and either contract yeah. COVID when they're in the hospital or they're asymptomatic and they perhaps get tested and they test positive. We've seen children doing that as well. Are you able to break down the numbers or do you know if the the record or near record numbers, is it a case of people are going to the hospital because they have COVID or they're then, or they're found to have COVID once they're there? We're seeing a growing number of people who are going to hospital for non-pandemic related reasons. Uh, and either have an infection going in, but that's not the cause of their admission, or who test positive once they are admitted. Now, some might say potato, potato, and to some degree, that would be correct. I mean, because you're not being admitted for COVID doesn't mean you don't have to go through all the same protocols and protection issues if you're infected inside a hospital. You still have to be isolated. Uh, People dealing with you need to gear up, that kind of thing. So even though you're admitted for a broken leg and you're infected, you're still a strain on the system from a COVID point of view. What it does show is that it's an indicator, uh, and how Denmark health officials are looking at it, is it's an indicator of how the Omicron variant is producing far fewer severe infections uh, or infections are even serious enough, never mind going into an ICU, but are serious enough that they have to be hospitalized for the infection. So as a barometer of the pandemic situation, it's a, it's a very good indicator. Uh, as for alleviating, uh, alleviating any stress in the hospital, it's a wash. All right. And what are the vaccination numbers like in Denmark? Yeah, well, we're over, uh, let's see here. Uh, there are 82.5% first dose uh, we're 80.9% second dose, and uh, 61% have a booster shot. But we're also seeing, by the way, Jill, uh, a rising number of COVID deaths, which is really interesting. And a rising number compared to, I would imagine, so obviously uh, in different strains and different times in the pandemic. So what does it look like with COVID-related deaths at this point? Yeah, so we had 44 today, which is a pretty high number for Denmark. Um, we set a new record high for the, like our deadliest day in the pandemic happened just a few days ago on the 13th. Uh, and again, we're seeing sort of that distinction in the language. Uh, Denmark health officials are carrying out kind of this international public relations campaign, like taking on Twitter accounts individually almost. And they've tweeted almost exclusively in English for about a week now. Uh, and they're championing this thing, well, they died, you know, with COVID, but not of COVID. Uh, and again, maybe to some, it's a distinction without a difference. Um, but their case is that uh, they say that under the WHO guidelines, that if you test positive and you die within a four-week period, you're technically a COVID death. So they're using an overly simplistic example. And that example is, so let's say I test positive, uh, and a few days later, I step into traffic and get hit by a bus, then I might count as a COVID death, even though that's not the reason why I died. So they're saying to some degree there might be COVID deaths that are being, you know, over-reported because they're not really going in to try and figure out if it's directly due to the infection or not. But they also, in fairness, offer an opposite argument in saying that if you have a COVID death, let's say that I get positive, my situation goes south, 
Um, you know, my battle, the infection for five or six weeks, go on a ventilator and eventually I perish because I died outside the four week period, then it might also not be a COVID death under the current definition. So, uh, Danish health officials are literally now pouring over the death registry and the, uh, and the official reasons of death, uh, for all the pandemic deaths, including the most recent ones and, and putting out new death charts and trying to distinct, uh, kind of separate people who died specifically due to COVID, uh, and people who died of some other reasons, but who had an infection when they perished. Yeah, and I mean, it's not obviously not a, a, a fun topic to to no. look into and to discuss, but I think it is an important one, and, and I'm at least <clears throat> see, seeing more questions about that as well. That that not to downplay anyone's death, but getting that information, no. it does seem that getting that information and getting the exact cause and what's happening, it is important if we're going to continue looking at numbers. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're really into statistics, then I think it's pretty important to kind of figure that out. I think there's going to be some, I mean, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I assume there's going to be some maybe easier calls, but I think there may be a plethora of really tough calls. I mean, there's been, uh, through the entire pandemic, the most vulnerable populations have been um, the frailer people in our society, the very, very old people dealing with a number of health conditions that weren't COVID, but who exacerbate the situation should they get COVID. Uh, and I'm assuming that there may be cases in there that I don't know how you distinctualize between did the person die from COVID or did they die from this other ailment or range of ailments they were dealing with. And I think those will be interesting calls. But from a statistical point of view, I think it's really good to get clarity there. But I think it's been sort of a lightning rod here, uh, at least on the international level, for people who are looking at that as, again, a distinction without a difference and, and see it as Denmark trying to minimize its death count and as some kind of PR exercise to cover its its current strategic approach to the pandemic. All right. Well, Shane, thank you, as always, for joining us and talking about this and bringing us up to date on what's happening there and elsewhere in the world. Appreciate your time, and we will talk to you again soon. Sounds great. You guys stay safe.